Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm your host, Carol Stewart, founder of The Bounding Solutions and author of Quietly Visible, leading with influence and impact as an introverted woman. This is the podcast for introverted women who want to thrive as leaders and in life. Um, And listeners of this podcast will know it can be challenging as a a woman who is introverted and a leader. And a lot of that is because of the way the corporate environment is, the work environment, which has unfavorable biases towards introversion. And then you have on top of that, the gender inequalities that still exist. So that's why I'm so excited today to have Ruth Stewart with me to talk about her challenges, the benefits of introversion, and she will be sharing some tips and advice, uh, both to individuals and to organisations, and how organisations can support uh, you in your career progression, support women in their career progression, as well as maybe hopefully touching on how they can close the gender pay gap. So Ruth is a business leader with expertise in strategy development and execution, business intelligence and transformational change. And she's passionate about ensuring that work is a force for good. As head of strategy development at the CIPD, and for those of you who are not in the UK listening in, the CIPD, that's the Chartered Institute for Personal Development, if you've not heard of it. And she helps the organisation to develop and execute its long-term strategy, setting out a compelling vision and plan for the future. Prior to this, she led the research agenda for learning and development at the CIPD and held a variety of HR and OD roles in Tesco, PLC. Uh, She has a proven track record of delivering change in a variety of complex environments and is a chartered member of the CIPD. She's also a board trustee for Praxis, which is a charity supporting migrants and refugees. In addition, she advises Leaders Plus, which is a social enterprise for leaders with young children who are continuing to develop their leadership careers and driving greater gender inclusion at work. So hello, Ruth, and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me along to the podcast. It's it's great to have you on. Um, and so before we sort of get into the meat of our discussion, just tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Fantastic. Um, so I will start with the who I am outside of work, because I think that's sometimes always a little bit more interesting. Um, so I have um, two children um, who are four and two. Um, I live in Staines, just outside of Heathrow. Um, and my big passions are cooking and food, um, traveling and going to gigs and mostly 90s Britpop. I'm still into my my blur and um, my suede. Um, so that's kind of me outside of work and then me at work. Um, and thank you for the introduction. So, um, yeah, I work at CIPD. And I'm all about helping the organisation achieve its longer term ambitions, looking at how we can evolve as an organisation and um, how we can achieve even more impact for our members and the wider profession to really ensure that we're championing better work and working lives um, and we're making sure that work works for everybody. Right. So that's me. Great, thank you. A uh, very interesting background that you have. And as a, as a woman and an introverted woman, uh, what have some of the challenges been that you have faced? Oh, definitely quite a few. Uh, <laughs> so I think when I when I first started out in my career, I joined the um, graduate programme at Tesco. And it was a 
it was a fantastic, amazing experience. And I got an enormous amount of development and learning from being part of that graduate program. And um, and I, I'll always look back fondly to that to that time. But it was also very much a, a sink or swim environment and a very um, commercial environment where there were, um, as you can expect, um, a lot of um, very sort of, I'd say, classic um, sort of old school leadership behaviours um, kind of exhibited during that time. And we're kind of going back back sort of 15 years now. So it was a while back. Um and, and then it was very much a kind of culture of, um, at times, kind of command and control. Um, and I think coming in as an introverted woman and, and quite a, a young woman at the time. So I was um, 21 where I, when I joined. Um, it was quite a, a challenging environment to come into as sort of your first, first sort of proper, proper job and first role. And I found it quite difficult to kind of work out how do I be myself in this environment and um, and how can I really um, shine and how can I do my best work? But I, ha- I was really lucky, actually, that I my, my immediate team, my immediate managers um, were amazing role models and they had a really different style of leadership. Um, and they kind of helped me to see that it was possible to be to, to not sort of follow the mold of that kind of command and control. And in fact, they were trying to change that in the organisation as well. So. Um, I felt like I had a, a kind of really good community to sort of help me on that journey. Um, but it wasn't necessarily easy. Um, I think I found it it difficult sometimes being in very large meetings um, where I was trying to kind of get my voice heard. Um, and, and I found that particularly difficult when I was entering sort of brand new situations where I kind of didn't know anybody and I hadn't got that kind of psychological safety. Um, and I'd say that that was kind of quite a big, big challenge to sort of get through at the beginning of my career. Yeah, and and that and that is um, you know what you sort of just touched on there that psychological safety. I've just done some research um, looking at how introverted women leaders experience belonging and psychological safety in the workplace, and that is key to helping them to thrive. So, what sort of effect did it have on you personally? So, so before you you know you got the support of those um, immediate leaders who those who were sort of good and um sort of showing you how you could be yourself what sort of effect did it have on you personally being in that sort of environment I think I I doubted myself a lot and I was I was quite um sort of underconfident and I I yeah and just unsure of myself and I don't think I I opened myself up to to sort of building relationships with the people around me enough um, and I remember a a really powerful conversation I had at the time where um, it was almost kind of a, quite early days, but it was quite a make or break conversation where um, I, I was very lucky as part of the programme to have an amazing coach. And the coach had said to me, look, we can, we see something brilliant in you, but you're not necessarily kind of letting, letting yourself shine. And we're, um, it's obvious that there's something that's holding you back. And we had some really amazing coaching conversations where he helped me work through some of the limiting beliefs that I had about myself and um, helped me work out what was going on in my head, what my sort of mind talk was, helped me break down what was true and what wasn't, um, and and really helped me to see that it was possible to be a different type of leader and to develop those skills differently. And that was a massive turning point for me and that coaching conversation because it helped me to understand when I was in situations where I felt like it was really challenging to have a voice 
what was going on in my head in that moment. And actually, that was the biggest challenge for me to face, breaking down some of those things that I was telling myself. And once I'd worked through that, actually, everything then became a lot easier. There were still challenges. But once I'd kind of got over my own mind talk about who I was and my place and um, the fact that I wasn't an imposter, um, that, that, that I that I had, you know, I had a lot of value to bring and um, everything kind of clicked into place. Yeah, and that is something that I see time and time and time again in coaching the clients that I coach that, you know, you all, it's like you all have the same story um, mm. and it, it can be because you people will think that it's them or it's just them, not realising that so many other people are experiencing and going through the same thing Um and it's amazing how our minds work and the stories that we can tell ourselves and convince ourselves that we're not good enough or uh, we can't do this or we can't do that. We're not good. We don't fit in. Uh, we're an imposter. Um, so what do you think it would have been like if you hadn't had that coaching support? I I think it, it would have been very challenging and um and I think, as I mentioned earlier, it was a very single swim environment. And I think I probably would have would have sunk um, <laughs> if I hadn't had that support. And uh, and really, it it is it's been quite powerful, not just in my work life, but also in my my personal life. And um, that ability to sort of notice what, what your mind is telling you, and and to break down some of those kind of untruths. Um, I use that all the time. Um, so I think it you know it would have been quite lim- limiting, both in sort of career, but also in terms of my general well being. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes when you, um, you know, I'm, I sort of speak from experience myself personally of having that doubting myself, thinking I'm not good enough and um, the challenges, which is what then affected my confidence, experiencing imposter syndrome. Um, and, you know, I sort of dread to think, well, if I hadn't managed to to develop that awareness and to overcome that way of thinking, the effect that it would have had on me in terms of my career as well and um mm. my development uh I don't dread to think what it would have been like it would have been probably very painful and <laughs> absolutely and I think I it's also made me more aware of when um I can notice others going through similar similar situations and um, I was very, again, lucky at Tesco to be trained as a coach during that time and I've used those skills throughout my career, um, and particularly at the CIPD and really helping that whoever I'm working with and developing, that I'm using those coaching skills to help them be the best version of themselves and to help them unlock what might be some of those limiting beliefs. No, that's that's great. Coaching is such a powerful to, uh thing um it is transformational and i and i do i do truly believe that everybody deserves to have a coach uh, um some organizations unfortunately um don't they 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 maybe just give it to the senior leaders but not necessarily those who are more junior and i think you know oftentimes it's those who are more junior who'd really benefit from it um because when you're starting out, like how you described, and you're sort of entering this environment where you may feel that, you know, you're not, you don't fit in or you don't feel good enough. And what that does on your mind, which then affects how you act and behave. But I think, if, you know, four levels uh, were given the opportunity to have coaching. It would be transformational for organisations, I think. Absolutely. Mm. And so as you sort of, develop that belief in yourself 
how did things then play out for you? I think the uh, the opportunities really just sort of blew from there, really. Um, so I did, did some amazing roles within within Tesco and um, uh, got to experience lots of different parts of the organisation. And, and I kind of really loved my time there. Um, towards towards the um, end of, of my time at Tesco, I I did go through a um, a sort of leadership assessment. So there was a, a this brilliant leadership development program. Um, went through the assessment for that and um, aced it, which I was thrilled <laughs> about. Uh, and then at, at the end, I kind of I got some feedback and said, oh, yeah, you absolutely aced it. But one of the um, the kind of senior bods who was there um, sort of questioned it and said, even though even though she aced it, does she have the gravitas to to operate at the next leadership level? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was pretty devastated by that comment, but I see it very differently now. Because I think at the time I was sort of, oh, God, do I? Do I have the gravitas? Um, but actually now I, I kind of see that a bit differently. And I go, well, gravitas to him was probably a tall white man standing mm-hmm. at the front, giving commands, directions, you know, being the, the leader from the front, as it were. Um, and my style of leadership was very different, much more subtle um, mm-hmm. probably effective in in different ways so I think there's there is a there is a time where that more traditional style of leadership is helpful and needed um but I I'm a different type of leader um and so at the time it was almost a turning point for me again where I was sort of like actually I'm not sure that this is the right environment for me to continue with my career um and also it was time for a change so that's when I decided to move to CIPD where I thought actually I can really grow as a as a the type of leader that I want to be um, in this organisation. And so I think sometimes those difficult moments or those difficult points of feedback, um, they, they can be they can be great opportunities, actually, to, to think differently about what you want for yourself. Yeah, and it's interesting that you said that. I was a guest on a, um, the Working Mums podcast yesterday um, and um, Nikki, who was interviewing me, was telling me about a situation with one of her clients who... Um, had got got some feedback. She she was a finance director. Was she finance director? Yeah, I think she was a finance director or head of finance. Um, and she got some feedback that she wasn't challenging enough. Her style wasn't challenging enough, and um, various other things which for some people would have just totally knocked them and been devastating. Um, in terms of how they saw themselves and their belief but she um, and I guess through because she had been having coaching she was able to challenge that and say well you know um, I am challenging um, I do challenge and these are the results that I've got and able to demonstrate what she had done um, even though she may not have been that sort of that type which was uh, all um, male uh, board um, and fitted that factor type but she was still effective nonetheless in her own way um, it's just that her style was different and I sort of really sort of had to take my hat off to you know what what she did about challenging that and challenging that that stereotype that they think that well this is what you need to be to be a leader yeah definitely I think it's so important to to just have that mindset that there isn't one mode of leadership and we don't have to fit into kind of that cookie cutter mold. Mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, so I guess as, as you sort of 
develop that belief in yourself and um, progress the way that you have, you've recognised benefits um, of introversion. Um, and what would you say those benefits have been for you? Quite a few. Um, so <laughs> I would say that um, there's sort of the obvious things around um, probably listening more than you're talking. And, and in that sense, um, picking up on, I think, social cues more and um, perhaps developing slightly deeper relationships um, and, and really understanding individuals in depth and, and what they need. And I think that gives a few different benefits. So I think one, it helps you to develop a really strong understanding of an organisation and the people and the dynamics between people. Um, and two, it, it really helps you to understand how, the best ways to develop people, what they really want out of their, their careers and, and their lives. Uh, and so I think that that kind of listening more than I'm talking skill is, uh, is, is has been really powerful. And um, there's probably also ones that I think are sort of slightly less obvious. Um, so for me, I, I think find that I'm very uh, internally intrinsically motivated. So I don't need a lot of external validation. That means that my drive comes from something kind of inside of me and who I am and, and what I want to achieve, as opposed to kind of external kind of goals or or kind of external um, sort of positive feedback. Yeah. And I think that means that the work that I do is always really high quality because I'm I'm kind of really in, intrinsically driven to to deliver in that way. And that's where I get my motivation from. Yeah, that's uh, good. And, and yeah. it's interesting how you sort of talk, you know, those skills that you talked about, um, that or those those benefits of introversion that um the the listening and listening is a key part of our communication and introverts are well known for being good listeners um and a lot of leaders don't listen effectively um another thing is that empathy introverts are well um known for being empathetic or being more empathetic and it's quite interesting i saw a post by the the, the female lead shared today um, an article about research saying that empathy was like the the, the key leadership skill that is needed. Yeah, and I can I can absolutely agree with that because I think you, if you can build empathy with your team, with the when you're even when you're um, presenting, if you if you start with building empathy in mind, if you start with understanding what your what your audience wants to hear rather than what you want to tell them then I think it completely shifts your mindset. And I think you can be far more effective that way. And it's not to say that extrovert people don't do that either, but I think sometimes it can be a kind of really special skill that, that introverts have. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what tips would you give to somebody who's going through a similar experience to what you had, where they've not necessarily yet developed that belief in themselves or they've not necessarily had the opportunity to have coaching to become aware that, a lot of how they're feeling and thinking about themselves and what they believe about themselves is in in their head basically is not real yeah I really interesting question I, I think that the tips that I would give would be that firstly start start with yourself so if you if you're feeling that way try and write down what you're telling yourself um really objectively just sort of capture it all on, on a piece of paper uh, and then run through it all and, and try and identify, is that true? Is it untrue? Or is it something that I don't know about? Uh, and try and kind of go through each of those and work out where might you be unnecessarily limiting yourself through your through your beliefs and, and what your mind is telling you. 
um, and try and kind of be go through it as if um, as if you were talking about a friend rather than yourself um, and try and work out kind of what's true for you and what you can keep hold of. Yeah. Then I would say that on a practical level, try to find ways that you can build that sense of psychological safety. So, for example, I know that I'm at my best in a group situation when I've spent time getting to know that group one to one so that I feel like I've got those bonds and those relationships there. So I'm, I'm much more likely to speak up. I'm much more likely to challenge and, and be more present in those meetings um, if I've if I've got that. Um, and also for me, preparation is key. So I I prefer to be in situations where I've had some thinking time in advance. Um, I can kind of think on the, on the fly if I need to, um, but I know the quality of my thinking and the contribution will be better if I've pre- prepared in advance. So giving myself some space in my day where I'm able, where I'm able to do that, even if it's just having meetings that are 50 minutes long rather than 60 minutes long so that you've got a 10 minute gap between meetings if you're kind of back to back like the meetings like many of us are and giving yourself that kind of freedom and and space and time is is super important and and those are great tips fantastic tips so listeners do i hope you've taken note of what ruth has said because um you know this is this is um, stuff which comes up in my coaching time and time and time again um, and what Rufus suggested is the, that they're sort of actions that my coaching clients put into practice and that helps them to see that transformation in what they think and believe about themselves. Um, and so Ruth, I think that if children were taught these things, it would have such an impact. I think um, if children were taught to sort of think, give consideration to their thought life and what they're thinking about themselves and how to challenge their thinking about themselves I think that would make such an impact because a lot of the clients that I coach a lot of the women that I work with um a lot of this um these self-limiting beliefs have arisen from early childhood experiences um which has then sort of continued as they've sort of gone into the workplace and and then because they're doubting themselves or lack of that that self-belief it's then put um added to because the work environment is the way that it is for them um and so I really think that showing children how to challenge their thinking and think about their thought life I think would would have a very profound impact oh definitely and and having young children myself it's something that I'm quite conscious of and um and having sort of gone through my childhood and, and adolescence with quite a lot of limiting self-limiting beliefs I'm I'm really quite quite desperate to to ensure that I kind of um support them support them with that and help them kind of find a different different path maybe and you know slightly uh, tackle some of those things that I tackled sort of in my 20s a little bit earlier on in their their life uh, yeah. and I'm also really amazed by the sort of the kind of shift in narrative I think around um children and and kind of looking at mental well-being for children it's you know it's amazing that we're starting to talk about these things much more and my daughter is about to start school and we visited a school together last week and we were looking at uh, a chart on the wall which was a feelings chart and it was different colors and it was describing the different ways that they feel and the teacher was saying that every day the children can go to that area and describe how they feel whether that's just using the color or if it's using the words and I thought, oh, that's amazing because it's it's something small, but it's that first step in really connecting with yourself and understanding yourself and how you feel and how that might influence your behaviour. Um, yeah. So I think there's, there's shifts happening, which are brilliant, um, but there's probably even more that we can be doing as a society. 
and that is fantastic. A, a couple of years ago, I I went into my old primary school to speak to the children about how they manage their emotions. You know, if they're feeling angry or upset, and how they can do that. And I, you know, and I, and I really sort of praise the head that they're they're as you said they're they're looking at things like that. But one of the things which the head recognised was. Um, when I was sort of talking to him about introversion, how, you know, maybe they are doing their introverted children an injustice because it's, you know, they see confidence as the, the child is putting their hands up and that's what they encourage. But, you know, just because somebody isn't always putting their hands up doesn't mean to say that they don't know their stuff. Um, and so he was really going to rethink how they um, encourage their children, their students, in, in their confidence and how they can allow them to be themselves as well oh that's that's brilliant and it's it's so interesting because I, I kind of remember every single school report I used to get it was always sort of could speak up more in lessons could put a hand up more and and it it's a it's how do how do schools create environments where where pupils and students feel safe to do so um because there's a reason why why they're not and um how can they contribute in different ways and be seen and heard in different ways that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so um, I guess working in the CIPD, you have um, sort of a, a lot of access to organisations and um, sort of giving advice to organisations. So so what would, advice would you give to organisations about how they can develop their introverted leaders um, and support them in their career progression? I think the first step is... Um slightly before that and it's looking at how are you spotting and identifying leaders in the first place and what's your what's your definition of talents and 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 how do you how do you identify those talented people who aren't necessarily the loudest or the ones who will shout about their achievements the most um, and ensure that you're you're starting there um, and then I think when you kind of got that got that kind of right um, and you've got those principles there I think moving on to development and um, as we've talked about I think coaching can be an amazing amazing thing for people to to work through and particularly introverted leaders I think it's very effective um, and then perhaps also how how are you sort of making um, introversion a, a sort of thing that's talked about and talked about positively as opposed to something that needs to be sort of overcome or kind of developed out in some way and think about how you can get the best out of those people in in different situations and um can you help people connect together who are who are more introverted so that they can share experiences because I think that can be hugely powerful sharing experiences and understanding that you're not the only one and I certainly don't think it's about um kind of development programs where you pull introverted people together and sort of help them to kind of just with this is how you should speak up more this is how you should challenge I mean some of those things are helpful um but it starts from the basis that there's a sort of problem to be solved, which I don't think is quite right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The problem isn't with the individuals. It's with the organisations, the, the environment of the organisations that is not being inclusive. Definitely. Definitely. And I, uh, as part of the, the Leaders Plus um, organisation that I that I work with and I'm connected to, um, they have an incredible programme um, it's a, a fellowship for leaders with young children. Um, and I went on the on the fellowship a few years ago. Uh, and as part of that program, there's a lot of work using the thinking environment techniques by Nancy Klein. And I'd really recommend organisations to look into those techniques and, and individuals too, because uh, it, it's an environment where, for me, it, it really helps to create psychological safety. 
it helps give everybody an equal voice in a way that doesn't feel kind of stressful into sometimes I think I can find it a bit stressful if I feel like I need to get my point across or wait for a gap in conversation so I can sort of get in there whereas the thinking environment techniques try to create an environment where everybody can share and speak up in a, in a really meaningful way and in a way that enables them to be fully present so that's another technique that I would definitely recommend for both development but also just general working environment. Yeah, that, um, that, that thinking environment, I think it is very powerful um, and it allows everybody to have a voice as well. Uh-huh. And so um, the gender pay gap, um, what what could you share the organisations um, who are wanting to close the gender pay gap? I think some of the things that we've talked about already can definitely contribute. And I think particularly the identification of talents. Uh, and really challenging yourself on, am I just looking for what we've kind of always got in terms of the always had in terms of the leadership population? Or, or can we can we identify different types of leaders? Uh, I think that would make a massive difference. And then again, I think it's about putting some of those inclusive working practices in place so that you enable those people to really shine and, and be at their best and, um, and and sort of help them also to see that you can be a different type of leader in this organization and that's okay and that's a good thing because we want diversity of leadership style and, and to provide those role models that help people to see that they can progress and develop in the organization so I think it's kind of a combination of all those things um, but I think specifically not overlooking those people who may be slightly quieter may not always be the ones first ones to speak up um, and, and seeing that that they have other strengths and other ways of contributing. Brilliant. Thank you. So thank you so much, Ruth. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Um, If people want to maybe find out more about who you are or your work or um, where's the best place for them to go? Um, If you want to search for me on LinkedIn, I'm really happy to connect with anyone. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Um, I hope you've been taking some notes because Ruth has shared some fantastic tips which will really help you if you are experiencing um, self-doubt, self-limiting beliefs, if you feel that you're not thriving in your organisation because of the environment, which it maybe doesn't recognise introversion and the strengths the strengths that introverts bring to the workplace and do put into practice what Ruth has said the advice that Ruth has given and if you're looking to increase your confidence influence and impact then go to my website aboundingsolutions.com there is a free assessment on there that you can complete that will give you an idea about areas that you can focus on And if, like Ruth, you have a story to share about your experience as an introverted woman or that can help other introverts, you've got something that you want to share that will help other introverted women to thrive as leaders and in life, then email admin at aboundingsolutions.com and we will invite you onto the podcast. So thank you and bye.